Hello, Monetization Nation. Today, I'm joined by Christoph Trapp. Christoph is a global top 14 content marketer, a top 40 B2B marketer, a top 100 CX thought leader, and a top 24 digital marketer. His fourth book has just come out. It's called Going Live, and it talks about getting more of your podcast and content strategy, particularly uh, through live streaming. And that's what we're going to dive deep into today is the, the strategy of leveraging live streaming. Thank you so much for joining us today, Christoph. Nathan, thanks for having me. It's great to see you today. Can you start off by sharing with us something that you are super passionate about? Well, I'm, I'm passionate about good content. I think there's way too much crap happening out there that company pro companies produce. And as you might be aware, crap stands for content really annoying to people. We don't, want to we don't want to create that, right? We want to create value. We want to create stuff that people care about. So um, I care about that. How do we do that? How do we get there? How do we do it more efficiently? And I think overall, we might be going down the right path, but there's still a lot of companies creating crap, marketing gobbledygook, you know, and, and so I care about how do we do that? How do we throw content to parade? And of course, that's where live streaming just comes in. And uh, I'm not a TV guy. Actually, I used to work for a TV company, but I'm not a TV guy. And I, I, I'm a writer and I've embraced multimedia. So if I can do it, you guys can do it. How would a company identify whether or not they're producing crap? Well, it's a good question, but if nobody reads your content, you probably are, right? Because if nobody takes any interest in it at some point, um, that might be the case. It's a really good question because on the flip side, it also takes time to take to build your content program, right? So if you write one article and you say, oh, nobody read it, Christoph said that's an indication of crap. Well, maybe not so fast because you only done one thing. I mean, how many episodes did you do before you realized you had, you know, a, a fantastic show on your hands? I mean, it takes a few times. When it comes to podcasting, Nathan, the average number now is, podcast do seven episodes and then they give up seven episodes i've never seen success with anything with seven episodes seven articles seven whatever you name it you know i mean seriously you know so so you have to kind of put some stuff behind it but um, if you are full of superlatives you probably are creating crap you know i mean listen to this if i come on here and i say hey this is the state-of-the-art interview best thing since sliced bread. We're industry leading. Who talks like that? Nobody. Marketing websites, you know, marketing website copy talks like that, yeah. but it's, you know, back it up. Tell us about your journey. Tell us about your story to become uh, an expert in, in content marketing and, and podcasting <clears throat> and, and live streaming. Yeah, first of all, uh, you know, it's really hard to say you're an expert in anything because it, it continuously evolves. Uh, maybe the only thing I'm an expert in is uh, figuring out what to do next and where to go next. And, you know, somebody actually asked me earlier, how come not everybody's doing live streams? And I'm like, I don't know. I think it's just too new. Everybody is currently on the let's podcast bandwagon. And then they realize podcasting is really, really hard to do because it's a completely new network for most brands. Uh, you know, so I'm trying to figure out how do we get our content in front of people? How do we do it in the best way? How do we share it? Uh, and of course, I grew up as a journalist, um, you know, as a writer. I mean, I'm a writer at heart, I guess, um, content strategist, that kind of thing. And basically uh, kept evolving with the industry. And, you know, it used to be blogs only. Then it was like short-term video, you know, and 
and it moved to live video and now everything kind of ties together. So I'm always trying to do that, um, you know, trying to stay relevant, trying to figure out where things are going and people always question the new things, right? And here's the example I gave this morning. Nathan, could you live without HDTV anymore? Uh, it, it would be kind of painful actually. Like every time I go to a bar, which doesn't happen that often currently, but you know, and they don't, they have standard deaf and you're like, oh my God, this is horrible, like headache, right? But when HD first came around, everybody, including myself, we would be like, do we really need HD? Like, is it really necessary? Are these AirPods necessary, you know? So it's, I think we're in that phase when it comes to truly live streaming, everybody goes, do we really need to do it? No, you don't have to do it, but it's a differentiator. You know, it's a differentiator to kind of learn new things and trying to stand out in the market. What do you think is the greatest home run you've hit in your career? <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't even answer that. I think it's always like the latest thing you work on. You know, I uh, honestly, when I realized this whole going live thing was a thing, um, you know, that was kind of a good win. You know, like I realized I was like, how do I drive more performance for my podcast? I should do it live. Oh, okay. Awesome. That's working. Okay, cool. Hey, by the way, Christoph, I got all this content on my blog. Maybe I should turn it into a book, you know, and ta-da, there's your book. So that's probably one. Um, and, you know, I'm certainly there's others. We'd have to pull the, the, the stat books to be sure. So taking, taking something you're already doing like a podcast and putting it out in a different publishing format, different platform like live or taking the blog you're already doing it and putting it in another platform such as your book. So repurposing content. Nonstop. And I think that's really the way to do it. And it's interesting, you know, some people disagree with that, but I, I think it's the way to do it because stuff changes all the time. You know, I mean, uh, algorithms change. I don't know if you saw this, but Google podcasts now have a love, show me more of this or show me less of this buttons under podcast episodes, which is super interesting because as far as I can tell, there's no recommendations in my feed. It's all what I subscribe to, right? So at the end of the day, what that signals to me is Google Podcast is going to implement some kind of algorithm. I don't know how it's going to look, but why else would they tell me more of this or less of this, right? Because yeah. all my subscriptions should show up. They're going to start suggesting related stuff. They will. They okay. will. In my feed. Yes. What's the biggest failure or mistake you've made in your career and what do you learn from it? You know, I honestly don't think of failures as failures. And here's the reason why. Because especially in live streaming, stuff will happen. Period. I was just on a call earlier and somebody says, oh, that didn't work and that didn't work. And I said, oh, that was like at the end. Nobody cares. You know, like it happened. Um, sometimes some, uh, some network doesn't work or some some server you're going through doesn't work. So I think the, the trick is, I call it the next play mentality, Nathan, in my content performance culture book. I don't think of it as failures. I have a very short memory. It's like, you know, if you're a football fan, Patrick Mahomes uh, for the Chiefs, he has he loses 42 yards on a quarterback sack right? Most yards lost, like in history of the NFL or something like that, or second most. And what does he do? He goes to the TV crew, you know, in the interview after and says, well, I worked on Madden, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then he comes back and he has a fantastic play on the next play. And I really think you need to have that mentality. 
now the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl. What do they do? They went out and they 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 hired or drafted or whatever it's called, signed, I guess, all these linemen. So Mahomes doesn't have to run back and forth all the time. And it's really the same thing. So don't have failures bring you down. Don't even think about him. You know, learn from him, move on quickly. Oh crap, this didn't work, you know, um, whatever it might be, and 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 fix it and 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 run the next play. Be a Patrick Mahomes, except we're probably not going to be paid half a billion for any of this marketing stuff. That's right. Take our failures and use them as opportunities to learn and grow and improve. Use them as experiments, right? Where we're, we're looking at, at that as research data that comes to us that we can then implement to improve in our journey. All the time, but it's, it's easier said than done, quite frankly, because if you run a crappy play, guess what? You're going to think about that crappy play. You've heard that probably before, right? one minute, one bad minute in the day can ruin the rest of your day if you don't pay attention. That's right. What is your best monetization strategy or secret? The best monetization, honestly, is first of all, to hit all the different channels and then move quickly. Get it done. Go, go, go. I'll give you an example. I had a lot of success uh, in, in the recent three months on Amazon Live which I was on a call earlier with somebody and they said, I've been asking everybody, everybody about Amazon Life. They never even heard of it. I said, it's brand new. So for three months, it worked really, really well for me. And here's the reason why, because you know, I moved very, very quickly. I'm not exploiting any loopholes, but I'm certainly maximizing all the different channels. And you wanna keep those things in mind. On the other hand, you also wanna be very clear on how you actually make revenue, how you bring in money. I'll give you an example. I'm a journalist, right, by training, and journalists always think the content makes you money, right? So everybody talks about, oh, ads and this and that. Most content marketers, maybe all content marketers, don't make money on their content. The content is really just like the thing to bring you in the door, and then whatever else you have, you sell them that. So, um, but at the end of the day, you got to stay relevant. And if you, sh- like, I was talking to a CEO who shall remain nameless, um, I don't know, maybe a year ago or so. And I said, here's, I think, how you can reach your target audience. And he goes, oh, I don't want that. I just want leads. Can you ship, send me leads? And I'm like, like, seriously, like, no, like, what, go buy a list. And even if you buy a list, you still have to send them something that they hopefully might care about, right? But they don't even know you. So at the end of the day, think of it as a long-term strategy, hit them hard and, and you know, offer value. I mean, I think there's way too much out there of this short-term crap where everybody just, let's make a buck tomorrow and, uh, you know, not make more the next day. Yeah, what that CEO is missing is people want to do business with people they know, like, and trust. And if all you're doing is trying to get in front of them and sell them and they don't know, like, and trust you, you're not going to sell very much. And if you can get out and and produce content and give value and build relationships so that people know, like, and trust you, it's going to be so much easier. You take that same list and, and you can grow a list that you own that you can perpetually market to and... And uh, it's just so much more of a sustainable business model that that CEO was so short-sighted. What do you think are the biggest tectonic shifts happening today that businesses need to be paying attention to? The biggest shift, quite frankly, is, you know, it is technology, in my opinion. And what's interesting about technology is there's a lot of crap out there too, right? Everybody promises you something and then it doesn't work or it doesn't actually help you. 
But think about, you know, how far we have come. I'll give you an example. Just to, we'll keep tying everything back to live streaming. When I did, when I did video production for the first time 15 years ago, you know what we did? We had a big cart and we had to push it around with two monitors on top of it. And some guy was holding the, the, the microphone, right? And, and then when we recorded audio, we had to go into a studio. Do you know, you know what my studio is today? It's just a stand-up desk in front of the window. You might hear the mail person drive by currently because they're relatively close, but for the most part, it works really well. So the technology, when you use it well, can really help you. Now, the problem is some companies don't use it very well. And here's, here's my answer to how you have to do this. You have to understand what are you trying to accomplish? What are you trying to do? And this is an age old problem, Nathan, honestly, because I remember back when I went into marketing, people would come to me and they said, we need a trifold brochure. And I'm like, why? And they said, because we need one to give it to these people. What they actually needed is they needed to reach people that don't have computers at their workstations because they're like working on the line, you know, for example. So my, my point is, if you're looking at all this stuff, it's totally overwhelming, right? But you have to say, what are we trying to accomplish? What are we trying to do? What technology can help me get there? So I think technology has come such a long way. I'm still amazed how my house has become I mean, a production studio, quite frankly, you know, my office. Um, and there's many, many other examples, of course, in marketing and, and other fields. So, you know, use the right technology and, and um, be on the forefront and, um, you know, go from there. What is live streaming? So there's a couple of different um, definitions of, but at the basic level, you are streaming, broadcasting, typically to social media, right? Um, something. So it could be a podcast. It could be playing a video game. That's what Twitch is, right? People play video games and other people watch them. Um, sounds crazy enough, but, but that's what it is. Amazon Live, people talk about products they got, you know? So at the, at the, at the core level, at the basic level, it basically means you're broadcasting to the web, whatever that network might be. And where do you normally broadcast your uh, live streams and, and where do you recommend other people's other people broadcast to? So I go to Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Amazon Live. I did Twitch for a little bit only so I can say I'm going to Twitch. Didn't really have an audience there. I'm not playing a video game. I haven't in, in a while. So, um, but you know, it, it depends where your audience is. But if you've spent, I know plenty of companies, B2C and B2B, who have spent years building Facebook audiences. For whatever reason, even if I disagree with that, that they did that, but they did, right? Why wouldn't you live stream to Facebook today? Why would you start on yeah. a podcast channel only? Live stream to Facebook, then push it out to the podcast channels. You already have an audience on Facebook. Um, LinkedIn, it's a little bit harder to get into still. They're still kind of shut down. You have to, um, you have to get approved and submit it. Uh, seems like it's getting a little bit easier, but it's still, I think it's still shut down a little bit to, to um, you know, just anybody. So you have to have a following. Twitter, of course, anybody can live stream. I think if you just, um, you just, you know, uh, use Twitter live, which is now integrated, used to be Periscope. Um, YouTube, especially if you already have a YouTube channel and you, you put your stuff on YouTube, why not 
live stream it. Now it's there as well. Those are, I think, the big players. Um, there's like, you know, Restream allows you to stream to like 30 different channels. So there are certainly other places that are popping up and that are emerging as always. Okay, so then my concern is, how do you go on vacation, right? Let's say, you know, my we have a family vacation and my daughter's getting married and, and uh, I'm gonna take a few weeks off. If everything is live, you really can't do things in advance. How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, I think this is where, um, where the mindset can be that it's too overstructured. So I'll give you an example. So when you do a live stream, so here's the other thing. When you do a live stream, what does everybody do? So we met at two o'clock central time. And most people that start a live stream, they will do that. They will book the time at two and then they will call and they say, or email, whatever, and say, all right, please show up 10 minutes early. We're going live at two. It's the most unfriendly email in my book because you and I, you didn't do this, Nathan, but I'm just pointing at you, right? Because it's you and I talking. You and I agreed to meet at two. And then now you tell me I got to show up 10 minutes early. I might have a meeting 10 minutes early. And if I invite, you know, big names on my show, they probably have meetings too. So we don't need to be so structured. On TV, they start at two or 2.30. Who says there's a rule, you know? So what I do is if I book a live stream, I, I, we meet at two, we go live at 2.08, 2.11, something like that, depending how much time I think we need to chit chat. And yep. then we go live. The time when I go live changes all the time. I got one show at seven in the morning tomorrow because it's a new report out of Australia that's being released. So I'm interviewing them. Friday, I got a show at 2 p.m. Then next week, I don't know. So my point is, if you want to publish a podcast once a week, go live a couple of times. Take next week off. There's no live stream, you know? We don't have to overthink it. Nobody's going to write the FCC, first of all, because you're not regulated by the FCC anyways, and say, hey, they didn't hold up their end of the bargain of the schedule. Nobody will do that, you know? Just kind of, you know, roll with the punches, try how you want to try it. I used to do a live stream every day. Now I try to cut that back a little bit, you know, because I actually have other things to do as well. Um, but, you know, don't, don't be so, this is the, this is how it has to be, you know, change things as they go, um, figure out the schedule. Talk to someone like me who's, who's producing content might consider, I want to do it once a week, start, I'm already doing a podcast and video. If I want to do a live stream once a week, what do I need to know? What you obviously told me the te a technology platform that, that can republish to all those. So I don't have to go publish all of those different places. It'll do it for me. Yeah. Um, what else, what else do I need to know to, to be effective, to, to get started in this live streaming process? I think the biggest thing is when you go on video, you need to be comfortable, right? So that's kind of how I set up my office, my studio. Now I got the camera right here. I got the mic. I know you can't see it with the virtual background right in front of me. I got the monitor. So I'm seeing both of us right here. Um, Slack is over here. So I can't see it right while I'm talking to you. Um, you want to be comfortable wherever you are. And then make sure your guests understand what you're doing. You know, what's the, it's still relatively new. We're live. Here's what we're going to do. Here's some starter questions if they need starter questions and go from there. Um, also keep in mind on live streams, you know, think about your answers, know what you can talk about and just have a conversation. I truly think about these shows 
like we're just having a conversation you know i don't i mean i know people are going to listen to it on the podcast but at the end of the day if you and i have a beer uh, you know it, I, I wouldn't say much different things it's a little bit different because i'm looking mostly at the camera as opposed to you because you're actually right there the camera is right there so it's a little weird um but at the end of the day think of it as a conversation think about the topic you want to talk about and then, you know, just be curious, ask questions. And there was actually a show I listened to earlier, the search engine journal, Nava Hopkins was on there and Lauren Baker asked, said something and she's the guest, right? She's not the one asking the questions. And she goes, Lauren, what do you mean by that? Like, do you know what I mean? It's like a conversation. Like earlier, you know, you said some word I didn't know. And instead of me trying to make it up, I'm like, hey, what does that mean? You know, like just have a conversation, like just, you know, be, be human. But you used your lifeline. You don't have another lifeline to use. Well, I don't remember what the other two things are called, but I, I still got those. <laughs> okay. Um, do I need any special technology other than what I'm using already to record my, my blog and podcast and YouTube channel? It, it looks like you already have the technology you need set up right there. I personally... I like virtual backgrounds. I actually just bought a virtual uh, virtual backdrop, which literally stands behind me, and you know it's like an office view, so you don't have to look at um, my basement office, which for anyone watching looks like that. I mean, it's not horrible, but you know it could be better. And this is a virtual uh, background, but so get good equipment if you can. And now I have a 4K camera. I got a ring light, which I don't even turn on today because the light is right in my face, but if your excuse is you can't do a live stream because you don't have the technology, I'm gonna call BS on that because all you truly need is a phone. You can put your phone on a tripod in front of you, talk with your AirPods, for example, or your headphones, if whatever, even it works on Android or Apple. Um, and I've done that before. I did that for the longest time ever, you know, just go live like that. And then, you know, as you're growing your, your show upgrade, you know, and you can buy, microphones for, I mean, they're cheaper than ever, you know, cameras are cheaper than ever. Everything is getting cheaper and cheaper. How does my audience come to know about that live stream? Yeah. So I'm a big fan of scheduling the live stream. <clears throat> so in Restream and other tools, there's other switcher, StreamYard, et cetera, et cetera. You can schedule the post where the live stream will appear. And then it pushes it to LinkedIn, for example. And now people can click the remind button and then they can get a reminder, you know? So you can actually promote it um, quite a ways earlier. I think it's within seven days. So, but I definitely would recommend that you, um, uh, that you schedule them. I think that definitely helps. So you schedule them. Do you do some posts in advance to your audience to let them know it's coming in advance? No, that's the schedule post, right? So the schedule post, you, you type that up in Restream and then it goes to all the networks. So that's how they will know. Um, I used to actually recommend that you do posts previously, you know, and say, we're going to go live. But it's confusing because then people think they have to go to that post. Um, if you do it the other way, that post has the live stream. So even if your guest shares it, that post will bump back to the top and then it'll play the video when you go live. Thank you so much, Christoph, for sharing your stories and insights with us today. Here's some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, when we start live streaming, we don't necessarily need the most expensive equipment. We can start with the microphone on our tripod and headphones as our microphone if we need to. 
and then upgrade when we can. Number two, we should set up our live streaming area so we can be comfortable on camera. Number three, before we start streaming, we need a plan for what we're going to do on the stream. Number four, we can schedule our live streams to let our audience know when we'll be streaming. Number five, live streaming doesn't need to be super structured. Our audience will understand if we need to take a week off. Number six, if we've been producing content for a while and haven't gained followers or engagement, we may want to reassess the kind of content we're producing. And number seven, when we maximize every channel, we can reach more people and grow our audience much faster. To learn more about or connect with Christoph, you can find him on LinkedIn or visit his website at AuthenticStorytelling.net. And you can find links to both of those sites in the blog post for this episode at MonetizationNation.com. You can also get my free ebook about passion marketing and learn how to become a top priority of your ideal customers at passionmarketing.com. You can also subscribe to Monetization Nation on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, our Facebook group, and on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I wish you success in your live streaming. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.